assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Coming up, he's the first Australian-born superstar to win gold in WWE. From tag team success in NXT to 205 Live, he now finds himself stuck between choosing true love or the greater good. The disciple, Murphy, is here as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. This is still the best of the many WWE podcasts. Make no mistake about it. And SmackDown, in my opinion, for the last several weeks has been awesome. And I don't think it's going to be easy to disagree with me. I think it's taken some time, but SmackDown is now the A show on Fox. Uh, The Roman Reigns drama is unbelievable. I look forward to to going to work and sitting ringside for the first time in quite some time recently. That's all I will say about that for now, because I'm sure my guest will have plenty to say as he is a massive part of all things Friday night SmackDown tomorrow. If you're listening the day that this drops, he's got a big night ahead of him. We're here to chat all about it. Please welcome my guest, the disciple Murphy. Murphy, I promise that despite all of the incendiary comments I have made about you recently on Friday Night SmackDown, this interview will not be nearly as contentious. We can talk about all things Murphy. This is about you today. I hope so, because I've listened to your commentary. and You're on my side one week, and then you're not the next, and then the next week you kind of are, and then after watching you last week, I'm an ingrate, apparently. So That's right. That's right. I said it, I stand by it, but your beef is not with me. It is now with Seth Rollins. But... This is exciting, man. We, we actually had this chat. You t- told me, what, uh, two weeks ago, hey, I want to be on ATB. And believe it or not, I still have the power to make that happen. So here we are. Normally, I ask people and they don't know what's going on. So uh, <laughs> when you said, yeah, I'll make it happen, I didn't really believe you, but uh, you made it happen. I made it happen. Here we are. We have a lot more time to catch up than we normally do in the barber's chair, which uh, there's a little secret. Let's reveal that to the WWE universe. I don't think a lot of people realize that we have for the past, what, year now, had in-house barbers? Yeah. Which is yeah. a real game changer. It has been. And uh, I think your game's probably been better than everyone else's because you have a, uh, a strategy in mind and you go in there at a particular time. I do. That's, and that's the perk. You and I have this, this little rivalry going on in the barbershop because we both want to be in there first. That's true. That's true. I have the, the blessing, I guess you could call it, of sitting in a production meeting. So I have to be there a little bit earlier than the superstars. So I have a, a bit of a jump start on everybody. But uh, the I'm fact there. is, you, you, know you, you, there. you are there. I can, I can set my watch to it. Murphy will be in momentarily. But so I was thinking before I sat down at the computer this morning, like I've known you for quite some time now. We've, we've been uh, coworkers for what feels like ages these days. Well, it has been ages. Uh, I, I stepped foot uh, day one of the performance center. Okay. And you were part of the first class? First class, day one, day one. Okay. And uh, you're obviously at FCW. Uh, doing your thing, but uh, day one of the FCW, uh, day one of Performance Center. So that's uh, 
we're over we're over seven years now. Wow. It's hard to believe that was that long ago. Absolutely crazy. Walk me through your journey to WWE. Obviously, you grew up, were born and raised in Australia. And uh, you obviously had a, an interesting path to get to the land of WWE. Walk me through that. Cool. Uh, okay, so where do I start? Um, Is it safe to assume you grew up a, an obsessed wrestling fan? Yeah, so I started watching wrestling in that 96, 97. And uh, I have an older brother who's three years older. So he went to a high school. And uh, he basically came home one night and said, hey, we need to watch, we got to check out this show on Fox Sports because it was on Fox Sports at the time. So he puts it on and, man, I hated it. I thought really? it, was, I, uh, it was garbage. And then I was like, I can't. Like not a, we we maybe watched twenty minutes. No, was this was this a major company or was this something local this is, in Australia? This is raw. This is oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I hated it, and then we maybe got like twenty minutes in, and then uh, the next week uh, on the Tuesday is when it aired, and he came back. We have to we have to give it another shot. Last week's episode was crap. Like let's check out that everyone's saying this week's good. So we did it again, and I was hooked. It was, it was something to do. I, the, the, the one thing that I remember that stands out in my, was when Kane ripped the door off the hell in the cell. So okay. That's me. So it was around that time. So like 96, 97 ish. And, uh, man, like I was hooked ever since it was like a phase. Well, my parents thought it was a phase. They thought it was going to be like, you know, like Ninja Turtles or yeah. <laughs> something you'll grow out of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't worry about it. And it just never happened. It just, it was, it, I was just wrestling, wrestling. And I, obviously being so far away, you know, it, it was a dream, but it wasn't really an obtainable dream. Like it was sure. like a fantasy dream when I was younger. And then uh, I couldn't really comprehend how far America was. Like I, I wasn't a, I just didn't comprehend it. It was like a dream. That's cool. But I didn't know where that was or whatnot. So as I got older, uh, like I fell more and more in love with it. And out of the blue, I saw a, uh, a uh, ad in a paper that said pro wrestling training. I was like, what's this? And then that kind of stayed in the back of my head, but I never followed up on it. And then a kid at my high school was wrestling and he told me about it. I go, what's this? And I obviously had no idea that there was a, any type of professional wrestling school in, in, in Australia at all. Sure. So after many hours, many weeks of trying to convince my family to let me uh, wrestle or train, uh, they agreed. So they took me down to this, uh, this factory in the middle of nowhere in the, probably the most dangerous suburb in Melbourne. And we find it and we go in there. I think my mum paid like $600 for like an initiation fee. I had to do training sessions, uh, assessments as they called it. And what I remember from there was just these old guys, old overweight guys that have done nothing. And I couldn't even tell you who they are just trying to hit on my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, but I was wrestling, man. Like I was this, I, I touched a ring. Like that was the thing. And then, uh, you know, I, I passed the assessments and I was like 13, 14 at this point. So oh, so you started really young. I was young, man. Were you an athlete? Did you, did you do other sports or you just kind of single track minded? I was just kind of wrestling and like, I was, I was, I was a sprinter. So I was very good at like athletics at school, but I didn't do it like 
uh, it's very different than here. We don't get scholarships on that stuff. Or oh, okay, it's just like, do you want to do it? Like the, the the schools are broken up into different colors it, when we do the, these sport days. And I was a red, so you know I was on the red team. But besides that, it wasn't taken seriously or anything like that. It's just like, no, you want to do it if you want, sign up. So it was more of a leisure activity than like a goal. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, there was. I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was just I was a very good runner. So wrestling was like my number one. So I would, I would say I was an athlete, considering, but not really an athlete. I was I was good at sports, but they were they just didn't matter. <laughs> so fair enough, I get uh, it. I did the yeah, I did the the, the training, and then I got ex- I passed the assessments, and uh, from there I started training on in their beginner class, and then kind of worked my way up and they kind of treated, I picked it up very quickly. So they kind of treated me, uh, well, they, they made me do stuff that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with because I was picking it up quicker. So I was working with guys that were, were big and I think they maybe thought that I was older than what I was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, like I remember uh, Emma to Yeah. She was there at the time too. And she was the punishment because I had this uh, this thing where I would run and take a clothesline, and right before I would go like this. Oh yeah! And they hated that. Yeah, so, because so you... the punishment was, all right, you have to take a clothesline by Tanil, and she would just rip your head off, like, and they would just egg her on to just lay you out. <laughs> so I kind of learned the hard way on how to take a clothesline, but I did that for like ugh, 10, 11 months. I was very young in a in a, in a business that I didn't understand. Um, and then I just kind of got back. I just started playing Australian rules football to kind of pass the time. And, and I, I was good at that too. I was really good at that, but it was just like one of those things that I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't go all the way because I think wrestling was number one. Um, so I started to wrestle with friends in the backyard as we all, uh, shouldn't, but we all do. And we, right. thought, our, we, we thought our product was the best man. Like, uh, and it kind of gave me another another group of friends because I was kind of like an outcast guy. Like I was like hovering around every group. Mm-hmm. I didn't just stick to a group. Like I just hovered around. I wasn't popular. I wasn't hated. I didn't really exist, but I was there. I can relate on that like 100%. I, I was friends with everybody. I was cool with everybody, but I was never like the dude. I was and- like an acquaintance with everyone. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yes. I, I can completely relate. So that was kind of it. So then I kind of, my, one of my best friends from kinder, Brian, I known him since kinder. And then uh, we, we've been in touch. We're still the best mates uh, to this day. And he, he went to a different high school than me. And he would tell me about his friends that he knows in backyard wrestling. And he I said, brings like, you know, they wanted to show tapes. So they gave him some tapes to show me. I remember watching and they were doing like stuff like DDTs on thumbtacks. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like, you know, and then we, we created this, he put me in contact with his friend and like, we talked and we're going to debut me. It, we, we put so much effort into debuting me. He comes over and it was on like a public holiday. We, we pulled out the mattresses and put them in like this overhead uh, patio that he had outside. His parents were at work he, they invited like 60, 70 people from their high school and gave them tickets. So I go there. This is their biggest show of the year on a mattress, by the way. 
And <laughs> I get there, I introduce myself, and they lock me in a room. They're like, I'll stay here. And basically what we did is that when the time was right, I was, technically I was loaded. I was loaded. I was loaded. Right. When, the time, <laughs> when the time was right, I'm going to come out. So all of a sudden we have like 50, 60 people just standing around from his high school, just standing around these mattresses under a patio. And they do this spot and then I come running out Clothesline, clothesline, F5. Boom, and I'm standing there like Brock Lesnar. I'm like, <laughs> and everyone, all the other wrestlers were like, who's this guy? Because we faked everyone, man. This was, oh. we thought this was. <laughs> so then everyone's like, oh, and then we did like this triple threat match. We had a roof spot. Like I got thrown off a roof, like through box. Like we put so much effort into this, like, beyond effort and we thought our product that we were putting out was the best we thought this was better than wwe this is better than wcw this is better than anything what we're putting out like that's how much we believe this like we had websites man we had music videos we had we put and it was and it was all on a mattress it was insane it was absolutely hey, for what it's worth i think we've both done plenty of shows in proper rings in front of less than 70 people well, yes. so you were ahead of the curve, man. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, you did less than, you know, 70 people at FCW. So. That's right. <laughs> That's right. How many people did sure At the start of NXT, we were doing, whoa, until we got 70, yeah. 70 people was WrestleMania at the start of NXT. Yeah, you're not kidding, man. You're absolutely right. So now when you're when you're putting these, these backyard shows together, which, by the way, disclaimer from Corey Graves and Murphy, do not try this at home. Um, it was something. It was something. What, now, when you're doing your your backyard uh, mania, is there an independent scene happening at the same time in Australia that you're aware of? So, yes. So, obviously, that, that same company was stuck around, and then this other company kind of opened up. And there was a story, a little side story. So, obviously, there was, like, a little indie scene, but nothing massive. Like you're talking two, two companies. Okay. And that was the original one. And we heard of this other company, this other, we get this email and it was this um, new wrestling company that's about to start that wants talent. And uh, they saw our videos on YouTube and they want us to send a tape, like a, a match, send us a match. And we're going to, we're going to try and figure out our roster and stuff. So we're like, we're like, what the hell? So all the boys were like looking for their best matches and making music video. We're burning it onto a CD. Yeah, like, sure. They're putting so much effort in there. We, this has to be perfect. And then he's like, the guy that sent us the email was like, hey, send it to this address by this date. Well, we put so much effort into this that we, we were kind of close on the date and the date was the next day. So we're like, all right, guys, let's skip school. And we'll get two guys that can drive and we'll deliver these in person. I love it. So we're driving and we're driving in the sticks. We're like an hour and a half in the sticks, man. And we're like, where? Like, I've never seen anything like this. And we're just driving around. And coming to think back on it, we didn't even have like a proper address. Like it was insane. We're just <laughs> driving around, like looking at the houses. And it was so weird when you think back at it. Sure. Then we go into a supermarket and we're like, is there any signs? Maybe there's some signs over here, like posters. Nothing. 
All right, so let's go ask the lady at the front desk. It's ask her if she knows of a wrestling company starting. She has. She looks at us like we just, you know, we just took a dump out, you know, in the middle of the floor. Like, <laughs> so then we start knocking on people's doors, and we're like, "Hey, have you heard of a wrestling?" And they're like, "You do that in America, you get shot." Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, not going to end well for you. No. And then we finally kind of get to this area, and we're like, "We think this is it." And one of the boys goes, "No, this isn't it." And we're like, "Well, why?" He goes. This is my cousin's house. <laughs> We're like, what? Coming to find out that one of the backyard wrestlers that we we're with, uh, his cousin wanted free DVDs. So he pretended he was opening a wrestling show. So we would send him our stuff. That's amazing. That is one of those excellent, only in this business, carny back <laughs> backwood stuff. Tremendous. Let me ask you about your, your physical conditioning at the time. Cause I know when I broke into the wrestling business and actually probably the first five or six years I was involved, the gym was like, might as well have been on Mars to me because I was like, Oh, I, I can talk and I know how to wrestle. I'm fine. You obviously take great pride in your physique these days. Is that something you've always been into or, or was that something that happened later in life? So around 18, at the 18, yes. Like I was starting to work out probably like, I probably started working out at about 16. Uh, just because it was something to do after school, my dad would drag me because he was on a fitness kick. So after school, we would end up walking like, you're probably looking at five miles to the gym. And then we would work out and then my mum would meet us at the gym and that's where me and dad would go to the sauna and the spa. And so it was like a full night thing, but I had nothing else to do. Like I wasn't, you know, like I said, yeah, I was yeah. acquaintance with everyone. So that was kind of like my introduction into, into the gym and, and whatnot. I had no idea what I was doing and, you know, I probably still, I'll look at myself in five years and say what I'm doing now. I don't know what I'm doing. So it's just all a learning curve, but that was kind of, I was a big, I wasn't a big guy. Like I had a little muscle on me, but I wasn't big. Like I'm yeah. still big, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm five, five, ten. <laughs> so I'm still not a big, big guy. Like it's, so I've never, never been big, but I was probably, I had a little bit of muscle on me. Okay. So, so you're in shape, you're getting booked semi-regularly now. Yes. So started off there. I stayed with that one company kind of created a name, like, you know, and, and I, my first wrestling year was the baggy, baggy, shiny pants. Indie-rific. Yeah. That was the uh, outfit number one. Which is funny because if you think back to the early days, like when I broke in, at least one to three people on every show had that gear. Yeah, the baggy right. pants and a, and a yeah, tank top. We've all, we've all had to go through that phase. <laughs> and I think that if you kind of see the evolution, it just slowly, we just start taking a little bit off. <laughs> did that uh and then was you know just had to kind of build my name and weasel my way through and obviously wrestling started to to pop up in different states or what i was knowing about more now um and as like you know like in wrestling in general like these in, like a guy you know has a dream or thinks sees something on tv thinks that he can do it better then well guess what now i'm a wrestling promoter and he runs two shows and then you never hear of him again. So right. that started to to pop up a lot. Um, but you know, I was just I was just working, man. I wasn't making any money. I couldn't my parents weren't really 
they weren't really supported as much. They're gonna hate me saying this, but they weren't support. They didn't. They didn't. You know, they weren't supportive of me doing it because it was a dream that just wasn't obtainable. I mean, in in your parents' defense, and I can say it about my parents now. Like my parents were all all in on it, but it seems so far fetched. Like it's such a secretive business to begin with. Like it's like saying, "Hey, I'm gonna go join the circus." Well, what yeah. actually happens when you do that? How do we know you're going to be successful? And looking at it from an outsider's perspective, that's insane. Yeah. I'm going to go, you know, be a pro wrestler, as in, especially you're in this, this far corner of the world, which probably made it even exponentially more outlandish. There was no tunnel. There was no direction. Like, how do you say, I want to be this when in this, there's no direction to it. It's, you know, it's a lucky dip. You put your hand in there, you shut your eyes and you grab it and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a pro wrestler now. That's what I am. Like, yes, there is no direction that you can go, especially being young and, you know, you got no, no one to look to. Like, no one had made it in WWE from, from right. Australia. Like, of course. Built my name up. Parents weren't really supportive. I started wrestling all around Australia at this point. I wasn't making any money. And my whole thing was if I had $100 in my account, I was happy. Like I was okay. If it dropped under a hundred, I would panic. Like, Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But if I hit that, you know, the, the, the three, the three little digits, I was okay. Um, but man, like I couldn't hold a, I couldn't hold a job because wrestling was number one. Hey, get a, my parents, get a full-time, you need a full-time job. This is, this is not going to, it's not going anywhere. Like, you know, we have to start living, be real. But mom, I need weekends off. <laughs> Yes, and they didn't understand that. And I, I understand know. that they don't understand that now as I get older. You're just like, it's not life, you know what I mean? But you're so caught up. Man, like I wasted so much money on fake tan and I wasn't making money. I'd make a, make $100, but I spent $40 on a tan, $20 on tape. I had to drive there, you know what I mean? And then on yeah, the way- Yeah, you end up owing the promoter 50 bucks at the end of the night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It was, but it was, it, it didn't, I didn't care because that's what it was all for. And man, I, I, I struggled. I, I got hurt. You know what I mean? But I, I was all about, I just, I just loved it. And I can't, can't explain to you like why we do what we do, why we it, it agree to get punched in the face and get, you know, walk around like, oh man, my back and destroy your elbows and, and we, we're, we're, we're happy to do it. Like, right. <laughs> we have screws loose, obviously. No doubt. No doubt. There's something in but I couldn't imagine doing anything else. They weren't support. But then I was lucky enough, my stepdad, uh, old Sunil, uh, Emma, yeah. she ended up getting signed. She ended up going to, like, uh, Canada. She was doing the storm. Right. And she then, trained with Lance Storm for a while. Yeah. She 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 got that. Um and then that was cool. And then like, that was kind of a bit of an opening. And then I was like, well, do I go do that? Like, what do I want to do? Do I, but everyone seemed to have been going through storms at that time. Right. Didn't the Iconics eventually ended up there as well? No, I think Peyton did. Peyton may have. Yeah. And then there was like uh, another guy in Mexico, Australian suicide. He went there. A lot of Australian guys, the guys that may went somewhere and some that didn't, but they all were going there. I didn't really want to follow suit. I didn't want to be just like everyone else. And I was working with my uh, stepdad who got me a job doing construction. And it was I was making the best money that I've ever made. And, you know, I was driving two hours there, working all day, two hours back, go to the gym, sleep. And I was doing that five days a week. So 
I was putting in the effort, but I was making the money. And then uh, I was on the construction. I got a, someone sent me a text saying from Bill DeMont, putting out a tweet saying that there's a tryout. And if you want a shot, like you should apply. So I did it. And I was like, oh, like I want to apply for this. Like, and then I went to my stepdad and I said, hey, I need to do like, you know, and I only just started working with him maybe a month prior. And now I want to take this, you know, three weeks off, two weeks off. And I go, if you have to, I have to do this. There's something telling me right now that I have to do this. And if you have to fire me, I understand. But I had the money there that I could do it. I've never had the money there to do something like that. So I did it, man. I, I he, he gave me the, the thumbs up. One of my friends wanted to do it too. So we, we bought the tickets, went over in, you know, the FCW arena. And there was uh, 80 people, 80 people trying out. Sammy Callahan was one of them. And I swear to this date that that tryout was for him, but he got hurt. Ah, uh, okay. So I, I thought it was, you know, you know how you feel like when you're there that it's, it's, they've got their eyes on Damn, something. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sammy Callahan was hot. He was the indie guy at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is just to get him. He got hurt on like day one or day two, but there was these like football players, man, like, and like, I was just, because like I said, I'm not a big guy. And we're sitting there and these football players would like knock you out of the way and stand there and you're like, like six, six, six. And like, you can't get in. So it was tough, man, like to, to, to stand out in, in, in the, in the pack, but they were all falling like by the, like, you know, day one, there was maybe 65. And then by day three, there was 50. Like, they were just falling, man. They'll collapse on us, like, because they just couldn't do the workload. They thought this was going to be a cakewalk. Right. And I had so much determination, man, that there was nothing going to break me. And sometimes I wish that I still had that determination and that 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 focus because nothing, nothing could have been, like, to this day, Norman Smiley and Robbie Brooks, I say it was the toughest tryout they've ever been a part of. You had Bill DeMont, you had Joey Mercury, Norman, Terry. Uh, it was just four days of hell. And then you had to, at the end of it, you had to do a promo for Dusty. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And this is a guy that's been so far away that's only ever seen this on TV. And now he's in there, starstruck by these people and have to perform and and blow them out of the water. So, but by this point, you've sold out multiple backyard patios. <laughs> you mean that? Yes, we had the best product. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, man. Like we, we it was, it was killer. And, and, and Norman says it to this day that uh, I caught his attention from another ring by just taking a shoulder tackle and how I, how I attacked the mat. I have a unique way of doing it, and. I feel like I'm very good at making other people look good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a valuable commodity in this yeah, game. That's the thing, man. I'm all, I'm all for the, for the product and did get the best out of it. Did that, killed that, got Norman smiley. Bill was liked me, but you just couldn't tell exactly what Bill wanted. <laughs> so, and then the, the, at the end there was all these promos and I think I was number 68 out of 80. And everyone was doing these promos, but everyone's promo was kind of similar. Like, hey, guys, just want to thank you. 
Um, you know, this was a dream of mine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there going, like, looking at the, the, the panel, the judges, and they just don't, they didn't care for that. And the, then you'd be like a character and then you look at the, the panel and you'd be like, okay, that's kind of reacting. And I was just trying to, and I was like, well, how am I meant to stand out? Like if you're early, you, you're screwed. You know, sure. if you're, middle, you're really screwed. And then if you're at the end, it works best for you, but they're tired. So, and I was like in the middle. So, um, because there was a couple of people that just didn't, didn't go straight away or like, you know, so I went in in the middle, but how was I going to, or maybe three quarters of the way. And then I was like, well, what's going to make me different? What's going to, and I'm not a promo guy and I'll admit that, but everyone else was standing up. So I ended up going and I sat down and crossed my legs and I just started talking like really calm and and I just started getting in a in a mind frame of what happened at school like you know not being fully accepted and you know and at the, the end of my school thing I was like getting I don't know I was, I was kind of getting thrown under the bus and getting bullied a little bit so I kind of took that real life scenario and would exp- like was just talking about it and then at the end, I pull out a lighter out of my pocket that I found and, I've got, and I just light it up and I'm just staring at the flame. And I did like a pyromaniac character where basically you've bullied me so much, you have to be careful because, you know, you're going to get burned. Like basically I'm going to burn this. If you're mean to me, I will set your house on fire. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to light the school on fire because of what you guys did to me. And I just remember doing it. And it was, and once I stopped, like I looked up and it was just silent and then everyone started clapping and I kind of just walked back to my thing and just kind of sat there and I was so quiet. And then I was like, that was really good. That was really good. I was like, okay, but you know, you've been saying that to everyone, you know, you know, the whole morale, man, that was, that was awesome, man. And it's really, it's not, but you say that anyway. So had no idea. We get sat down we're all sitting there and there's all of us, like 60 people left. And then they say, all right, guys, it was a great four days. It was torture. You know, I hope you learned something out of this. Um, basically, we have a contract to offer. So the contract we have to offer is to Matthew Adams. And I just sit there. And like, I was at the back wall and then my friend starts hitting me. He goes, bro, that's you. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, they announced you. And I was like, no, what? Like, it was just this, and I kind of stand up, I shake their hands. Everyone's like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like tapping me and all that stuff. I walk up, get the shake and like, then they all kind of like look back at the the coaches and Canyon and all that. And they go, yeah, that's it guys. And they just, they just gave one contract out. Just wow, one. out of the whole tryout, that's wild. Yeah. And then everyone turned on me. Of course. Everyone, oh, I was the villain, bro. Like everyone was so supportive of me 10 seconds ago. No more contracts. That guy. That was how I did it, man. And then obviously I kept getting pushed back and pushed back because the PC kept getting pushed back. And then I started in, what was it, July 7th, uh, 2012? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with your, your memory. It's definitely better than mine. But I do recall when, when you arrived and particularly promo class, because as you mentioned with Dusty, you were forced to come out of the, out of the shell. That was Dusty's whole methodology behind that was to really see what's inside and somehow tap into that. And I remember you were, were 
regularly very creative with just trying new things and, and different characters and different looks and not to gloss over all that. Cause I know that was important, but when we finally, when the WWE universe first got eyes on you of, of any significance was as part of the tag team with, with uh, Wesley Blake. Yes. Run me through some memories of that, of that period in your career and how, what that means to you. Yeah. So like you said, I was trying everything, man. And uh, <laughs> there was one thing where they, I think Dusty said it, he goes, Whatever you do here is not what you're going to be doing up there. So I was like, oh, I need, to, I need to get rid of the stereotype immediately. So I was doing the Crocodile Dundee character because yep. you do it here, you ain't doing it up there. <laughs> let's, get, let's play that card immediately. And I would just, uh, man, I would just talk super Australian and I would eat spiders and play with crocodiles and and, I, and then I would just say my, my name like just buddy this guy's like a part goat what what exactly <laughs> well it just because it, it all became because that's how like we got the name so obviously we pitched names and I uh I wanted to use Matt so bad but as you know, there was a lot of mats, and using the name Matt was like the forbidden fruit. No one's getting it. <laughs> so uh, I pitched a whole heap of these names, and it's funny because I, I put a lot of effort into these names. And uh, when I had sent the email to, to Byron, right, who was in charge, Byron Saxton working alongside Dusty, who did a lot of the clerical and behind the scenes work. Yes. And so he was like our go to guy to, to get stuff to. So I sent him these names and I was like, boom, 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 boom. And when he got the email, I had all the names scattered. So he's just picked and matched and he pitched it. And then when they pulled me into the office, they said, these are your names. And I look at the names and I'm like, okay, well, there's one clear winner here. And he goes, yeah, there is. Like when I was talking to Bill, and I said, it's this one. And it was Jag Cooper, J-A-G Cooper. Cooper, okay. Yeah, I was like, you know, that's kind of, I'm Jag. And then he's like, yep, that's it. So then uh, Bill would pull in Norman and he goes, introduce yourself and say, G'day, I'm Jag Cooper. And he goes, Norman, out of all, he goes, Jack? I'm like, no, Jag. And then I've got really like, because of my accent, I no, redo it. And then I'm like, G'day, my name's Jag Cooper. Like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, it sounds weird. But then I had like, Bill would just start pulling in all the uh, coaches and I would have to introduce myself as all these names. And then it came down to, uh, you know, G'day, I'm Buddy Murphy. And, oh, you say Murphy funny. Like, they say Murphy, Murphy. And then it basically came down to an autograph on Jag Cooper and Buddy Murphy. And my real name's Matt, so I have a nice M. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, and B's easy to do it in autograph form. But to do J-A-G in capitals, like, that's tough, man. So it all came down to an autograph, and it had Jag Cooper, Buddy Murphy, and yes, your Buddy Murphy. I, I, think, I think you were the second Buddy in FCW or NXT developmental history. My brother was really? actually Buddy oh, Stetcher. Really? Yeah, oh. he, was, he was signed for literally two cups of coffee. Uh, but but yeah, he was Buddy Stetcher, which was given to him, and he hated it really bad. So so you wore it much better than he did. Well, to be fair, I thought of it, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm doomed from the start. But then, like, you have to say it, like like Dolph Ziggler, 
is the a really weird name. But, but you, you don't forget it. But you wouldn't think anything weird of it now. Like he's Dolph. You know what I mean? Like you become the name and the name becomes okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm, I'm you know, buddy. You know what I mean? You know, Murph. Like it's it, it's me now. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. I hear that more than I hear my real name. So um, I've definitely accepted it. Um, obviously now that I'm just known as the Murphy, but, uh, hopefully buddy comes back. Uh, but yeah, to go back to the thing. So I did all these characters and whatnot. And then, uh, I remember getting a, a call from Blake saying, Hey, you need to come in for promo class. Dusty wants us to do a promo. And I was like, I don't want to be a tag team. <laughs> like, man, like I'm a single star. I had Maybe wrestled one match at this point. No, I, don't, I wrestled two matches and broke my jaw and had it wired shut. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had two matches. I wasn't a single star, but I didn't want it. I didn't want to be held back. I felt, and uh, we ended up doing that thing with me and Blake, and he loved it. He thought we looked alike. I didn't see that we looked alike, but he thought we looked alike. And then um, we started to to just do promos together and. Um, we started to get some reps. We started to work on some live events, and uh, he he had he was he was a cowboy at the time. I had uh, I didn't even know what I had. I think I had sh- the, my torn shorts, like a, a original pair that were like in Australian colours, and we were just doing that. And then we ended up talking to Bill, and he was like, "Oh, like you know, don't don't invest in this. This isn't this isn't going to be a, a, a thing. Like we're just getting new reps, all that." And then as soon as we walked out, I looked at Blake and said, we can get matching gear. Like, you know, so we, 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 we do it. We get matching gear. Mine says Murphy. His says Blake. It's exactly the same. I wear kick pads. He wears Bruce because he didn't want to go to kick pads. It's like, cool. And we ended up doing a um, dark match with the Revival and on, on a TV. And we remember me and Blake put our gear on and everyone was like, oh, matching gear? that's awesome. Like they loved it. They loved that we brought and they're like, it was like they had never seen matching gear for a tag team for, for 15 years. It was crazy. So, and then we did it. And then obviously we looked the part, like these guys have put effort into it. And then, you know, we, we, we became a tag team and we started working the revival and then uh, Jordan and Gable. And we, we, we worked so many awesome tag teams. And I remember we, 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 wanted to become like these Tron guys. Like my, my vision of this Blake and Murphy with Alexa was like this Tron, like we're, we're energy, we're power. And we had some cool little concepts where we had these masks. I remember the masks. I, I think by this point, I think right around this time was when I was out of the ring and I had just started with the, all my ancillary duties or maybe, maybe we, but, but I had started working with Dusty and, and remember like the character sort of end of things. And so yeah. I, I remember the masks. Oh yeah, so we had those masks which we thought were cool and kind of showed the because we were like the high the the beat guys and we started like you know we were dubstep yeah, dubstep yeah and uh, dubstep cowboys we were called by the uh, wrestling community but they went to the to the music it was like so picture like an Ali mask that had LEDs and went with but actually music. had the scales with the music yeah. yeah and we thought it was awesome and we had like these ideas that. It's, it was crazy. Like we were obviously think outside the box, but I felt like everything was that we did was to get out of NXT and to get to the main roster because that's 
where you wanted to go. Right. Um, so we would, it would make you try stuff if you weren't doing anything, you know what I mean? Which was great. Now I feel like it's very, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, people, are, people are content and I don't like being content. And to get where you need to get, you need to, to do some stuff. So it, it forced you to be creative and draw out different stuff. So, man, we did the mask. We had this concept of like this invisible paint. And when a black light would hit, you'd see like the full design. Mm-hmm. And I had a pitch that like a Sinkara was kind of doing the lights at that point, like the cool lights. So the idea that I pitched was like, you know, when Mario gets the star and he goes, so the idea was when we get hot tags, lights, the lights change. Oh, that's funny. Black light and you'd see all like us in neon paint and we would become like Superman. Like, there was nothing stopping us. Then when you get cut off, lights just change. So it was going to be—it was a very cinematic kind of thing. But I thought it'd be really cool. But that never, uh, never made it. But yeah, we did the tag team thing for a while, man. And then I really uh, embraced it. We had Alexa, and then they kind of took Alexa out. And it was funny how this kind of unfolded. We, we thought we were a very good tag team. We, we were the, the champs for a while and we lost them at the first Brooklyn. 100% fine. And we were on the back burner. We had our shot with the titles. We did our thing, you know, but we thought, you know, eventually we're going to come back around, you know, we do some change stuff up, stuff will be fresh. Um, and then eventually we go to TV and it says Blake versus Murphy. We're like, oh, this is the blow up. It was 30 seconds. Joe came out murdered us never never seen on tv again obviously i don't want to gloss over your your first foray into the main roster as we then oh. call it which is your your days in 205 live i talked to yeah. ali a few weeks back about uh, incredibly fond memories of that time but i want to talk more about recent history because you now find yourself basically for the last year or so in the, in the most focal point of your career uh, in, in this long dramatic uh, rivalry with the Mysterio family and Seth Rollins. How has this been working alongside Rollins prior to prior to things really blowing up in the last few weeks? What on a personal note, being able to, to align yourself with, with somebody who's the former champion so many times over. So what's happened in like the recent weeks, man, it's bittersweet. Like it's so cool to work with him, like in ring. Mm-hmm. And like to be in the ring with someone at his caliber. But then it's like, but I don't want to, I learned so much being on the, by his side and I get to see it from ringside. I get to be there when, you know, in the backstages. It's, it's just like I had to give up one for the other in a way. So, uh, but man, like working with Seth was like, you know, I've, I've, I've had good matches. I've had, you know, I feel like I'm a wrestler's wrestler. And like I, th- I had my two or five matches, which I went out there and I felt like I killed it every time I was out there. Then I came to Raw, I went to SmackDown, got lost in the shuffle, accidentally in the background, wrestled Roman, kill that. Wrestled Brian the week after, kill that. Wrestled Ali the week after that, killed that off TV. Like, what's going on? Like, I felt like I gave two, probably one of, you know, two of the best matches of the year you know, back to back. And then I'm not seen again. And then Paul Heyman wanted me on raw and, uh, you know, 
much respect to Paul for he pulled me aside and, and he said some real kind words um, to me and he wanted me to come to Raw and ask if there was anything holding me to SmackDown. I said, hey, I just I just I want to put my best foot forward. So I get drafted from SmackDown to Raw last year. And then I pretty much just go straight into a, uh, a program with Alistair. And I wrestled Alistair in NXT and we killed it. And um, that kind of went up. And then uh, so to come back and then go full circle and come back to Alistair and like kill it, like he brought the passion. So we pull it, me and Alistair, we pull the best out of each other. We're very similar. We, we, we like to hit and we like to get hit. And when you're friends, you hit harder. And yes, sir. We laid it in, but it, that was out. We, we, I felt like we put on some, we, some killer matches, but they were only matches. And then we go into the third and final where he beats me three matches clean. And then I'm, I'm broken. And then Seth picks me up and takes me into the, into the club. So, so I had those killer matches in all these spots, but I was most relevant as soon as Seth picked me up and uh, joining his, his faction and whatnot and, and just kind of being the second generation of Seth was awesome. I, I, I knew my role, you know what I mean? Like, and I know it's based around, around him and I'm there to take, like I'm, I'm fresh. I'm there to take strain off him. He's, he's, he's killed himself for however long, you know, at live events, like, let me do it. You do your part. You need me in there. I'm, I'm happy to take some load off you. And, and, I, and I feel like I try, I try and do that a lot for him because of what I've taken from him over the time, if that makes sense. So uh, all the knowledge and, and, and standing by his side and getting, getting some popularity is I try and give back to him by, hey, bro, like, I'll, I'll take the hot tag. Or, hey, if you don't want to, I'll slide in and I'll take some too. Like try and take it or at live events, he'd be on a thing. I said, Hey man, you know what I mean? I'm just at ringside for the boys. If you need me in there, if you want to suggest you can throw me there, you know what I mean? If you want the night off, like very, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look after him because you know, it's, it was the role on TV and the role. But that, that sort of selflessness certainly comes from a tag team mentality, which you were against to begin with. But once you learn the value of give and take and have somebody else to share the load with, man, the day has become a hell of a lot easier to get through. Yeah. And I was fresh, man. And like, and, and I knew that what he had done for me and, and by, you know, taking me under his wing in this, this thing, because he didn't like, I don't know if he a hundred percent, you know, a, wanted me or whatnot, but he, he took me in, you know what I mean? So I had to, to give back. And to this day, man, like, you know, if, if he needs, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll mention, I'll go, hey, get some ice ready. You know what I mean? Like he, he's done a lot. He's made me the most relevant I've ever been. And, you know, coming back to what we've done in the last couple of weeks, man, like he, he's changed my game. Like I said, like I feel like I'm, I'm a good wrestler. But when it comes to stories, like – I feel like he's on in another level and, and I will say to him, like, even when we put like talking matches or whatnot, I will go, Hey, I'm just throwing this out, hit it back at me. Cause I want to know why I'm thinking that and why you're thinking that. So I'll go, oh, well, what about this? Boom, boom, boom. And then he might respond. Yes. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that's cool. But we'll use that or no, because of this. And he'll explain mm-hmm. why there's no is 
And then I take that and I'm like, well, why did I go straight to that? And why does he go straight to that? Like different wavelengths, you know, but different flavors of ice cream, but. Of course, but you have an invaluable resource at your disposal when you're, I mean, this is a guy who's has seen and done it all. So you're going to get a lot of different mentalities. And, and to your point, it is different flavors of ice cream. Some people think one way or enjoy one way as opposed to the other. But I mean, if you're going to sit under a learning tree, that's a, that's a pretty extensive tree to be you know stuck underneath for a while. Absolutely. And it's definitely, I haven't, haven't wasted it. I feel, and I feel like when this is done, like, you know, like wearing the, the Seth gear, like the, the character and myself, are very similar as in that I want to be the next him. He's done so much. And he wanted to, like, you go back to his interviews, he goes, he doesn't want to be one of the best. He wants to be the best. Well, so do I. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think the story the story's real. And, um, like, I want to be the second coming of, 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 of Seth. You're going to have to pry that out of his hands is, is the issue. You know, he's, he still likes to be the Seth Rollins, but yeah, which leads us to Friday. Yeah. So it's, it, it's cool, man. Like, and, uh, you know, he's been the, he's been the King Slayer. He's been the Beast Slayer, but, uh, I think on Friday I'm going to be the Messiah Slayer. So I'll, I'll take those reins and I'll dethrone him. I look forward to Colin. I'm going to be right there ringside. Talk to me real quick before I let you go about what it's meant to work with Rey Mysterio and his family. I mean, one of, if not the greatest luchadors of all time. Yeah. Even though when I was in the cruiserweight division, I was the uh, greatest cruiserweight of all time. So (laughs) Ray wasn't around then. (laughs) No, but how cool would that have been? Yeah. With me, with the cruiserweight title and Rey Rey Mysterio, you know, coming back, that would have been awesome. But it's awesome working like in in ring and, you know, it's, it's awesome to get in there with Dom. Obviously so new to all of this and, you know, he, he, he holds his own. He listens, man, like it's fun. And that's like being in there with Ray is fun anyway. You know what I mean? Because you get to, you're in there with Ray, but being in there with Dom's like another, it's another like a learning, learning curve and makes you better. And it's, it's, it's challenge and challenges are fun. And the whole, doing the whole family, man, the whole storyline, obviously it's gone for a long, long time. Um, There's been hiccups in there and whatnot, but I get that it's been gone for a long time, but it's just because they're not, I feel like people aren't used to having something go for so, so long. When, when we were coming up and, and watching as fans, man, these rivalries would last months and months and months before it finally blew up. And, and you, it was, it was patience. Yes. <laughs> the world's run out of that. <laughs> yes. And, and I, and I get that because like, I'm the same, like if I buy something on Amazon, like whether I'm there or not, I'm picking next day delivery because I want it immediately. If I go to Best Buy and want a TV and it's like, oh, it's $2,000. Okay, cool. But I'll I'll want that TV. Well, delivery is not till next week. Then why am I giving you $2,000 if I don't get it for a week, week and a half? Like, you're not a bank. Like, I get this, like, you need this instant gratification because it's the way the world is. Um, And also in the last however many years where we're accustomed to just moving on. You know what I mean? Everything just moves on. Look at it like great barbecue, man, low and slow. And Friday night, the world gets to feast. Yes. How's that for an analogy? (laughs) It's almost like I talk for a living. Well, yeah, but also look at the video packages. Any wrestling match, it could be the worst indie wrestling match ever, okay? 
put music to it, it's awesome. Give it to our TV studio. They can make anything look like gold. Like that's the thing. Like you're going to have these things. If I want them to do like a full, full video package of everything, make it 10, 12 minutes and just post it online of what we've done throughout this. It would be amazing. But people like, man, like, cause obviously it's gone for so long. You forget little things. You forget. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And as like Seth being such a perfectionist and, uh, such a crazy mind. There's little things in there that you'd probably like for him to kind of go back and explain. Like, that's what I would like. Yeah. Why do that one little thing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then point out why you did it and then bring it all up. And it will make 150 times better because there's little Easter eggs, but you maybe miss one little thing, but that, you know, it's the, you know, what makes a good steak is the seasoning. Yes, sir. So, and that's what Seth delivers and Ray delivers. And, and I felt like the storyline delivered, but whether you missed it or not, you know. Let's say Friday, you're able to put Seth Rollins in the rear view mirror for the immediate future. What's next on the agenda for Murphy on Friday Night SmackDown? Man, that's, that's tough. So as like a fan, I was always a fan of that Intercontinental title. And uh, Sami Zayn has it at the moment, so... That could be fun. Or even, uh, you know, my new brother-in-law, maybe. Me and Dom. <laughs> me and Dom could uh, tag. I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's an open book. Like, I'm happy to to do anything. And, 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 you know, man, like this year's been tough. And, you know, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, we can kind of get back to some normality and get some crowds back in there. But yeah, it, it's tough, man. But you know, Sami Zayn in the IC title. I like it. Intercontinental title versus Sami Zayn. We're going to manifest that. We have a, a bad habit of things happening here on ATB and then manifesting themselves in real life. I don't know why that is. It's just a crazy coincidence, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, put it to good use on your behalf. Hopefully. Appreciate it. Lillian's got, did, did that too. She works. I did her podcast. I just interviewed you for an hour and a half and you just put Lillian no, over no, me. No, Murphy, <laughs> damn it. No, you're going to hear this. Out. She said that this was before, and this was when I was the Cruiserweight champion. She goes, I feel like you're going to go up soon and get drafted. And I got drafted. Well, there you go. Maybe maybe I'm following in the steps. I, I got nothing but love for Lillian. I'm glad she's part of the, the network now. But, you know, as, as barber buddies. That's right. That's right. Maestros bros. Bro, that's good. That's a t-shirt. Right on, man. Well, hey, whatever goes down Friday night, I wish you the best of luck. I can't wait to see what's next for Murphy and watch you grow and develop. And uh, I still got the best seat in the house. Yeah. Can you put me over next time? Well, I mean, if Seth says it's okay. Gee, so you, <laughs> who's the real disciple here? <laughs> there you uh, go. That's a great question. We'll leave it at that. There you go. There's another little uh, Easter egg in it. There it is. There and it is. Always with Seth. Because he's he the greater good. Corey Graves, the, the real leader. It was me, Murphy. It was me all along. You should have known by all that commentary. It'd be burying me. All right, man. I appreciate your time. I'll see you Friday. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. want to say thanks once again to Murphy and wish him well, even though he's facing off with my personal favorite superstar tomorrow night. If you're not already, follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join the conversation using the hashtag After the Bell. Get better at that. You guys have sucked lately. I get bored. Spend a lot of time sitting on my couch scrolling Twitter and the hashtag After the Bell, and you guys are letting me down. Stop it. 
And if you're using Apple Podcasts, please throw me five stars. It makes me feel good about myself. And that's what this is all about, really. If you're using an Android, ATB is on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, so you never have an excuse to miss an episode. You can follow me at WWE Graves, and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. 